Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. So how you doing? Looks like uh, New Mexico isn't in the Super Bowl again. I wish I would have known that when I moved here. <laughs> we have a new series that we're going through. It's called Greater. And we've discussed the idea that God is much greater than most anything that you're going through. God is greater than any situation that the world is in the middle of right now. And because of that, we believe that because God is greater, we can do greater things. And because of our relationship with him, we have opportunities that sometimes we may miss. Last week, we talked about the fact that God is greater than our fears. God is greater than fear that is put out into the world. But today, we're going to talk about God is greater than our past. I was talking to a friend this week, and we were talking about, you know, what what are the reasons to be in church? And the Bible gives us a lot of reasons. Um... If you don't go to church, you're not going to get in all the bad jokes. I mean, that's one of the things. Amen? All right. Good. We're in agreement. But what's the reason, and why would we come to a place like this? You know, people say, look, religion is just the opiate of the masses. And we talked about last week that, um, you know, God gives us a great deal of hopium. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. You know, <sighs> yes, God changes lives. Yes, God forgives sin. Yes, God can take you to a different place. But you can have a trainer at the gym that helps you change your life. You can have a nutritionist who helps you live a better, more fulfilled life. You can have a counselor that is giving you good advice and help you change from things in the past. So why would we need God? Why would we come to church? Why? Because, as we're going to read here in just a minute from Paul, there's nobody in the universe like him. There's nothing like having a relationship with the creator of the world. Good times, bad times, war, peacetime, famine, feast. It's not based upon circumstance. We hear the words of Peter himself when Jesus spoke very plainly to a group of people. And it said, from that moment, many turned away and no longer followed him. And he turned to Peter and the gang, and he said, are you going to leave also? Are you out of here too? And he said, where would I go? I don't even know what I would do. You have the words of eternal life. And that should echo through our hearts in a time that changes and things that are going on that are really tough. One of the biggest issues that we deal with is 
If, you, if you've come to Christ, maybe, you know, you're still on the fence and I'm so glad you're here today. If you don't have a relationship with him, if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christ follower, thank you for being here. But if you've been following him for a while, there's this issue of your past that can sometimes linger. I can remember there was a time when people would brag about their past, you know. Well, I drank about a gallon of heroin a day, 14 packs of cigarettes, and the Lord saved me. People love giving testimonies like that. But in reality, once you come into the light of the Lord and you look back and you go, oh man, what a train wreck, what a mess. Well, Paul gives us insight and how to get beyond our past and move on with Jesus. Listen, every person has a starting point in their walk with Jesus. It's a journey. Every person has a starting point and they can all be at different places depending on who you are. In the church, it doesn't matter where you are in the journey. What matters is that we're all in the journey together. We start at different places, and we're all maybe at different places on the road, but the truth is, is that we're all in this together. And here's a point. Yes, if you give your life to Christ, if you turn yourself over to him, if you ask for forgiveness, he promises you a new life and forgiveness, and that becomes a starting point. But freedom is not necessarily just a moment Freedom is more a process with God. Not just a moment, but more of a process that takes you from point A all the way through the, the fullness of your life. All right, if you have a Bible, look with me at Philippians chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus is greater. And Paul, the apostle, points this out. All right, he's greater than our own ability. Look at verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and to safeguard for you. It's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by the Spirit who boast in Christ and have put no confidence in the flesh. There was a group going around saying, look, you know, you need to be circumcised. This is a proof that you're truly on the road with Jesus. And Paul says, no, that's not the truth. People are constantly trying to put some type of law on you, some type of restriction. And Paul says, we are not governed by the flesh. Okay, we're not governed by that. We're not governed by rules and regulations. We are governed by the person of Jesus Christ. You'll notice if you have fallen into a rules mentality, because first, you know, you're so excited. You hear the gospel. Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves you just the way you are. And you say, amen, I'll receive it. I'll take it. And then you start coming to church and you have to start learning how to walk like a Christian. Do you guys know how to walk like a Christian? <laughs> it's like this. It's like this. I don't know. That <clears throat> but pretty soon, 
we fall into the temptation of placing all of these rules on ourselves, okay, that if we lean upon them, all of a sudden they become very restrictive and that joy of knowing Jesus is not there. And that's something that we have to fight through. Granted, there are things that <laughs> we're told, hey, don't do that. Stay away from that, okay? Here's are the things that you should be doing and following after. But it seems that we like to focus on those things and pretty soon we're back where we started. Listen, Jesus is greater than your past and he's greater than even your past accomplishments. Look what Paul says. Though I myself have reason for such confidence... If somebody else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in their flesh, and what he's talking about is, is your body, not that your body's bad, but this reasoning and identity that says, I can do it apart from God. He says, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, very prestigious. A Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law, a Pharisee, a leader, as for zeal, persecuting the church. And as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Folks, it doesn't get any better than that. And he thought he was doing what was right. He thought, I have accomplished what I'm called to do. I'm following after God. I'm zealous. I'm persecuting the church. I'm doing everything right. And he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus starts poking him. Blinds him, knocks him down. He said, hey, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Jesus was greater than his own personal ability to accomplish his own fate. What Paul doesn't talk about here, he alludes to it, but he was also a murderer. Because one of the first believers, Stephen was stoned at his behest. The young men who took their cloaks off to come and kill this stinking heretic, Stephen. It was Paul who was standing there giving his authority to do so. So though his flesh allowed him to accomplish a lot, it also allowed him to pursue murder in the name of God. But meeting Jesus changed everything for this guy. Because though certain accomplishments seem like, oh man, wouldn't it be great to be that guy? Wouldn't it be great to be that gal? Oh, just all the accomplishments they've had. It's so wonderful. And, and human beings can do some amazing things. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for human flourishing in every direction. But here's Paul's experience. But Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth, the greater worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, all of the prestige, all of the, the esteem that he had within his religion, within his culture, within his colleagues, all of it was gone. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I consider it garbage that I may gain Christ. 
Literally, the word that is used there is scubalon. And it means refuge, refuse, stuff that is worthless. He said, all of that I achieved, everything that I did, once I met this person, once I met the Lord, then none of it mattered. It's like it's a brand new opening of life where now I am able to look at God and realize that God has a destiny with himself. Not apart from, but with. Your destiny is meant to be with God, not apart from God. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness that comes from, my, from the law, but that which is through faith or trust in Christ or the Messiah. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith or believing or trusting in him. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. You see, for him, his life was now caught up in God's. And you can say, well, what type of, what is some type of fanatic like that going to actually do good for the world? Well, the, current, the path that he was on previously wasn't going to do anything for anybody in the world. Primarily just for him, for his glory, for his merit. And God will always call us and say, you've been doing some cool things over there. Or maybe there's some things that are really bad that you've been doing. But what I want you to do is I want you to come with me. That's always his, his beckoning. For whatever kind of life that you think that you have for yourself, God's life is better. God's life for you is better. He may not make radical changes in you. Maybe you don't need radical changes. But can you imagine going to work in the morning for a boss you can't stand? And like, oh, I only have 25 more years before I retire. This is awesome. Can't wait. Jesus comes along and says, okay, I want you to serve your masters and your, your, your bosses with, without lip service, but I want you to do it from the heart, and I want you to do it as you're doing your work unto me, or as Paul said, as unto the Lord. All of a sudden, he takes a, a job that's not that awesome, and he says, I want you to serve me there in that place. Don't worry about your boss and other people. I want you to realize that you are working for me, and I am going to take care of you, and I am going to use you. All of a sudden, your day just got better. Right? Your day just got better. But that's, that's the basis of Paul's joy and recognizing that everything he had been in pursuit of really wasn't there. All right. Down at verse 12, he talks about the past. And just remember, every person in the faith has a starting point. Listen, and in the church, it doesn't matter so much where you are on the journey. What matters is that you're in the journey and you're in it with other people. Freedom is not a moment Freedom 
is a process. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that he has set us free. That's what he's done from the beginning. That's what he wants for us. Oftentimes we look at religion and think, well, it's just too much. I can't be involved in it. There's too many rules and I'm going to fail at all of them. It's boring. It's for people who have weak minds. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> but the truth is, he says, I want you to be freed up from yourself. A lot of people are going to counseling these days, especially since the pandemic. You know, I mean, it's a boon. And the reason being is that people are living with themselves. People are having to deal with issues in their hearts and minds. Things are breaking down that wouldn't be broken down during normal times. But right now, things are, are hitting hard times, emotionally, physically. And that's because there's a recognition amongst most of all humanity, unless you're a sociopath, that we're not necessarily living free. We're not free fully of our past that can continually haunt us. Yes, we may have a smile on our face, but when things are tough, it just creeps back in, takes a hold. And he says, for this reason, it is freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom. He looks at humanity and he says, you're not free. And I want, you, I want you to be free. I want, I want that for you. And we want that for other people. We want that for our kids. We want that for our family members, don't we? And God wants that for us as well. And Paul, if he wanted to, he, he could be haunted by his past. But he said the future with Jesus looks so good that it's taking that over. And I'm going to cling to it. All right. Here's where it gets interesting. Verse 12 of Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained all this, Paul admits freely. Or if I've already arrived at my goal, I haven't. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. It's as he says, Jesus grabbed me and he said, look, we're going to go that direction. And this is what I have for you. But there's a recognition. You can hear stories like that. People will stand up and say, well, I used to do all this stuff. Now I'm, everything's perfect in my life. And you're like, uh, well, you haven't repented of the sin of being a liar. <laughs> you can still lie really good. Paul said, I, I'm not there. I haven't made it yet. But I'm in pursuit of the God who, got a, who pursued me and said, let's go this way. And I'm in pursuit of it because I can see it and I believe it and I want it. You know, being a Christian isn't anything like instant oatmeal. It's more like steel-cut oats. If you can wait around, they're awesome. Because nobody likes instant oatmeal. 
It's only a recognition that I don't have much time or creativity. But Jesus says, we're on a journey. It's not an instant. It's a journey with me. And Paul said, it is worth it. He also said that he was moving on from certain things. Brothers and sisters, verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind in the past is hard to do, isn't it? Even as an adult, even as you get older in life, it seems to amplify a lot of those horrible things that have happened in the past. I don't know if you're a fan of Philip Yancey, but he is one of the most prolific and sought-after Christian authors and speakers in this country. I love his books. And he recently put out his memoirs, Where the Light Fell, brilliant story of his early upbringing in the church and all of the dysfunction that he went through, both he and his brother, and how at some point he was basically an atheist or an agnostic, and so was his brother. But God came in and did a work in his life. But one of the things that he carefully goes through in the book is that he he shows how much hurt there was an alienation between partially with himself and his mom and also his brother and his mom. His brother wanted nothing to do with her because he believed that she had put a curse on him. Well, as an adult, as a longtime believer, as a person who had written about the Christian faith, he realized he needed to come to terms with that past. He said, what I realized is that God was there, able and ready to take me through it. It wasn't all in one moment, but through a process of forgiveness and goodness and kindness and giving in to the Lord, I was able to work through it. Your past can be messy because of shame. Maybe you did a lot of stuff that seemed okay at the time, but now you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And the memories are still in your mind. Even worse, there's areas that cause deeper work, deeper wounds like childhood trauma or abuse in a family situation. Those are hard. I'm going to be the last person to stand up here and say, just give it to God and let go. How defeated can you feel walking out of here realizing how, that may be good for you, but this is stuff deep, scarred into my tissue of my soul. You see, Jesus came for freedom, not for just Paul, but for everybody else. I couldn't imagine the image in my mind of taking one of the early followers of Jesus and the violence of having that person stoned to death and then meeting Jesus in purpose, in person. Probably one of the great driving factors in his life. 
making peace with your past through gentle, loving eyes of Jesus. And that may be a long process, but God's got time. God's got time to care for you because he loves you. Grace takes time to sink in and do its work. Learning to forgive isn't easy, but completely necessary. Jesus doesn't change our past, but he will redeem that past. And that may take time with a counselor, therapy, whatever it may be. God has time because God wants you to be free. Because you're on a journey, right? Not just a moment in time. It could be the way of life that you're living right now. And God says, I want that to change. Your old friends, unhealthy relationships, your old religious beliefs or superstitions, and anything that is holding you back. Anything that's holding you back. Philippians, let's read this again. Verse 8 and 9 in the message translation. He said, yes, all the things I once I thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. And this is Eugene Peterson's translation. It's insignificant dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and embrace him, be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I, get to the, I, when I could get to the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Verse 14, moving on toward Jesus, he says... I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And that is, I press on. Times get tough. The past rears its head. Old hurts surface. But he says, I can't stay there. I've got to keep moving. I've got to move on. You blow it, you get up, you keep going, you keep growing. You blow it, you get up, you keep growing and maturing and reaching for freedom that is in Jesus. Reaching for freedom that God has for each one of us in Jesus Christ. Every person has a starting point. The whole purpose of the church is that no matter where we are in that journey, we're in that journey together. All right. Because God is greater than our past, that means he can do greater in us today. Paul had a past where he leaned on himself. He had a guy murdered. But he believed and trusted that Jesus had something better for him. And though he may have had issues dealing with what went on in his past, he was able to do greater things because God was greater in him. Luke chapter 10 verse 2 says, He told them, the harvest is plentiful. This is Jesus. But the workers are few. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Our mission is to be uncomfortable. Our mission may be uncomfortable. However, it's not an option. You see, God is not just a therapist to help you get through something. Therapist there to to guide you and to, to help you see things differently and to work some issues out in your life. But, but God says, look, we're going to do that. But I've got a plan for you and a mission for you that's going to take you into the life that you long for. That was the case with Paul. We take steps out into our community our closest community is our church and our fellowship, the people that we hang out with. We, we should look for opportunities to minister to one another at every level all the time. When some pauses, when someone's hurting, we all hurt. Why? Because we're together. We realize that God has redeemed a group of people who can now pursue him, not separately, but together. We encourage, we foster growth among ourselves. We minister healing to people who who are suffering and hurting, and we empower those in our church, in our fellowship. But we don't stop at the boundaries of the church, right? Not at all. Together, we move out into a larger community to serve Jesus, being his hands and his feet to those who are hungry and hurting, to those who are oppressed, And it shouldn't feel like a chore for us, but an opportunity. So great joy to pray for other people, to help people in the time of need, to be discipling someone, serving with your hands, embracing generosity. Learning to love and care for one another is one of the greatest joys in life. Serving our city, our state, our world in the name of Jesus is nothing less than an honor. Just to to put this into perspective, early on, church began with just a few people, just a few, then on Pentecost it grew, and then it started going into the Roman world. Rodney Stark, a sociologist of religion, author of many books, very astute on this subject, he basically stated that... Christians in Rome around 40 AD would be about 1,000 people, and at a growth rate of 3.4, okay, he believed that it went from 1,000 people, there's evidence throughout Rome, went from 1,000 people in 40 AD to 350 AD, an estimated 32 million believers. Over half of the population of the Roman Empire. What were the reasons for that? Well, while other people fled cities, the Christians stayed. During times of of the plague, they ministered to other people. They took care of them, and they were known for that. Their population grew faster because they, the prohibition on birth control and abortion and infanticide, okay? And since that happened, there was more of an equity between 
parents who would just infanticide, get rid of their daughters because they wanted a boy, there were more females available, more marriages. To the same effect, women within the church were valued higher and allowed to participate in leading worship. And there was a high level of female converts. In the time of the great epidemics in the Roman Empire, 165 AD and 251 AD, which killed a third of the whole population, sound familiar, even worse? During the pandemics, during the epidemics, the Christian message of redemption and sacrifice brought stability and hope and an explanation for why good people would even have to suffer something like that. It was hardy. It was more, it was, had more strength in it to withstand natural disasters and everything. And the general population began to understand and see its value. Here's a bigger one. When the Christians were persecuted, and depending upon who was leader at the time, they suffered many persecutions and the threat of death and torture. When they were persecuted, they did not respond with open violence or guerrilla warfare, but willingly went to their martyrdom while praying for their captors, which added credibility to their evangelism. You think, what's the great and mighty Roman Empire? They ruled with an iron fist. They were in charge of everybody. What about this scrawny Jewish guy from Israel? Saul said he had saw an image, a vision of Jesus. All of these people coming together, slaves, male, female, people in the army meeting up together in, in places and in, in praying and offering praise and worship to this God. What would seem so insignificant and ridiculous, God said, <laughs> oh no. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to build it out of kindness. I'm going to build it out of self-sacrifice. I'm going to build it by fighting. I'm going to build it with, by my character and call as many to freedom as I possibly can. Never underestimate the value of your relationship to God in this world. People try to get us to devalue it all the time. I like the right person. Okay, we did. Boo, didn't work. Right? Let's spend a billion dollars on a candidate. Boo, it didn't work. I think it's time we start voting for Jesus. Amen. In our daily lives and our hope. That's what changes the world. And God will do it again. Well, I have a word from Paul and then we'll close. Paul said in the latter portion of Acts, he said, however, I consider my life to be worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news 
of God's grace. We have to start moving. Everybody on board, everybody at hand. As we mentioned last week, this is not a time to sit down and be safe. Because when I hear that, I hear, be safe, be soft, lay down. Be safe, stay soft, lay down, don't do anything. But it seemed that the Christians gained their most credibility during the time, even times that we're living in right now. Is it safe? <laughs> no. Is, is it worth it? Well, it seems Jesus says so. The writers of the New, New Testament say so. The question is, will we do so? We have to go into a world and share the good news that God is greater than all pursuits. And God will make your pursuit greater if you lean upon his grace. Be bold, be persistent, and be ready. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time together. Thank you that, Lord, your spirit is, is with us, ministering to us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us keep our minds centered on the right things, on the best things, things that honor you, and Lord, that you would keep us from being pulled aside by various agendas that slow your work down. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.